Welcome to the J.A. LaRock Show. I'm your host, J.A. LaRock. This podcast is powered by ObsoleteGamer.com and the Mascot Studios Podcast Network. You can find us on Spotify, Himalaya, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts are found. Now, today we're going in the Wayback Machine. Uh, this is pre-COVID, a couple of years ago, actually. And we were able to talk to a number of guests from different PC companies about one of the classic debates, building versus buying a PC. We get to talk to Landslide PC, we get to talk to Alienware Dell, and we also get to talk to Main Gear, all companies known for making boutique systems. Now, even though this podcast is old, a little bit outdated, the debate and the topic still reign true even today. Now, a lot of people like to prefer to build nowadays, especially with the water cooling and the cool lights. But a lot of people can go and buy really awesome looking machines without having to deal with all the trouble and the headaches. But we start with main gear. And for people that maybe didn't know, I just want to make sure that you got an idea of exactly what main gear is. Sure. Well, Main Gear's been around for about eight years. Um, we started off as a high-performance gaming PC builder. Um, we focused on the high end, so we had the water cooling, we had paint jobs, we had the overclock processors, the whole nine yards. And uh, over the years, we've kind of grown the company uh, into a more mature performance PC builder. We service all sorts of markets from you know, our core base of, of gamers to people who just want a high-performance, reliable PC that's built here in the United States and supported uh, by the same people who built it. Uh, we also service a large government and educational market, uh, high-performance computing, servers, workstations, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, definitely the we've we've uh, the, the company has changed as the market has changed, and and we've been able to kind of stay at the the upper crust of the PC builders over the years and. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of where we reside today. Um, I would say that our our kind of big break in the business was when we launched the shift last November. We kind of repositioned the company. We kind of uh, put our best foot forward. We we showed up with a system that was of our design. It was not something that you could build or buy off the shelf. And uh, we got a lot of industry awards and accolades for it. And then kind of you know it kind of set us apart. You know it was a it was a product that was wholly ours. And uh, you know, it, it really kind of solidified ourselves as a legitimate player in this business. Um, okay. Now I want to ask you, as far as, what have you, would you say have you seen the change as far as what people are looking for when building a gaming PC throughout the years? Like, for instance, you know, back in the day, there was a lot more people going to LAN parties. So I know that back in 97, when I started going to a LAN party, the rage was everybody having these gigantic systems that you could you know, uh, overclock, and that was starting to get big. 3D graphics was getting really big. But nowadays, more people are, you know, at home. I mean, of course, there's newer games that are very graphic-intensive, but there's less people taking their systems out and showing it off. Do you think that has, you know, been an, an effect as, as far as a gaming system or high-performance uh, systems such as yours? Well, I think there's a couple of a couple of points to address in uh in that question, I think the first is the biggest change from you know 1997, which is right about when I started doing this, when I started building and selling high-performance PCs, um, would be that the big guys weren't doing it. The big guys didn't know what this business was about. They didn't know it existed. Um, there were very few players. Um, 
uh, we were building uh, purpose-built systems that were night and day different than what you could buy uh, either online or uh, on uh, retail. It was a focus on performance. It was a focus on beefing up the, the, you know, the graphics card. And it was years, years and years and years until the discrete graphics card made its way you know, into some of these tier ones. And it was years after that that the more powerful discrete graphics cards made it into these systems. So, um, you know, definitely the, you know, the LAN parties were, <clears throat> I think, more visible back then because that's the pretty much the only way you could play some of these games was to be physically connected uh, uh, via, you know, a local area network, be that 10Base T or... Um, yeah, and some other <laughs> primitive, primitive uh, <laughs> connectivity. But you know, I mean, I remember, I remember dialing into friends' PCs to play, you know, Command and Conquer. But I think that with the wide ad- adaptation of the, uh, or wide adoption of the, of the, uh, the internet and uh, uh, high-speed internet connectivity, now those LAN parties are happening every day, all day. You look at the 2.6 million people that are on Steam right now. That's one big LAN party. That's true. So, um, you know, I, the people that are playing games online with each other is, is, is expanding. Um, and those people, they need, you know, the right type of computer that's suited towards that type of play. Um, however, I think that there's a, a, a whole new realm of mainstream land gaming, and those are the casual games, the Farmville and what have you. And those are people that are playing together online. Um, you know, I think so. Gaming as a whole has, uh, you know, it's evolved. It, it's 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 spread out. Um, you've got the the high end, uh, massively multiplayer online role playing games that require a discrete graphics card. You've got other games like Farmville that don't require that. But the end is the same. You know, you're you're playing with other people around the world, um, and you're playing together. So I think you know you've got more of a legitimate uh, industry, basically. Yeah, it's true. I I agree. As far as non-gaming, now of course, you know a lot of computer power, whether it's RAM or graphic power, can be used for other things such as graphic design or even audio, making movies, things like that. So in in your instance, perhaps maybe games was bigger in the past, but as you said, now it's emerging to a lot of other people needing a powerful PC. What would you tell people who maybe quite don't understand why would you need such a powerful computer system if you weren't a gamer? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. There's a couple of different ways to approach it. Um, the hardware today, I would say, is, is vastly superior to a lot of the software, the OS, the applications that we use. So when you say you don't need as powerful of a computer, um, that pretty much goes for <laughs> just about most of the hardware that's out there today. Um, for for your average user, and we get a lot of people coming to us that um, they're 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 fed up with what we call the multinational tier ones, you know the guys who are who are you know the commodity box manufacturers with load up their systems with bloatware and um, have outsourced tech support, and they're fed up with that experience, and they come to us, and they think that they need to spend three or four thousand dollars to get a really good computing experience, and we ascertain what their needs are and a lot of times these people they just want a system that it's going to turn on it's not going to blue screen it's not going to have a bunch of pop-ups it's not going to slow down they're going to get on the internet they're going to be able to check their gmail check their facebook import the uh, pictures off their camera of their kids uh, or their cousins from the weekend and uh, it's not going <laughs> to not going to lose that data 
and it's just going to work. And they think they have to spend a bunch of money for that, and they really don't. You know, I mean, quality can be had at any given price point if the company behind the product is, is putting out the, you know, the right type of, of, of configuration and service and, and all that stuff that, that, you know, that we try to deliver. Right. This is a lot of true. A lot of more people are, are trying out new things. I know people that all of a sudden started using 3D graphics. Uh, they're messing around with animation and audio, and all of a sudden they're like, wow, you know, the system that I bought for six ninety nine isn't cutting it, so they need another another system. But one of our main topics for today was the build versus buy debate, where people, some people in the gaming community especially, will say something like, well, I know how to build a, mas- a machine. I know how to go to, uh, you know, X site and buy the parts and put it together. And then sometimes you'll even see if someone says, hey, I have, I bought this computer from X company. Look at the specifications. Someone will say, oh, I could build that, you know, for half the price. It's not worth it. Um, I'm sure probably at one time or another you've had someone call in, uh, you know, maybe they're kind of interested in buying a system, but they say, hey, I actually can buy, I could build my own. What would you say to them to say that maybe purchasing a system is better than building it yourself, even if you are technically inclined? Sure. Well, you know what? It's really not an argument I even engage in. I mean, if somebody comes to me wanting to build a system, I, I would actually rather encourage them. I think if a person has the technical aptitude, um, has done the research, has a good social network of you know similarly inclined um, acquaintances, then they should by all means build their own system. I, the initial costs are lower, and it can be very rewarding and you know a very educational experience. Um, having said that, I mean, I think that there are things you need to be aware of. Um, you know, on the surface, it does seem easy, you know, tab A, slot B type of thing. And it is to those of us who've been doing it for a long time. But, you know, there are hidden pitfalls and costs involved if you don't know what exactly you're getting into. Um, you've got to make sure you've done the research on the components you're going to integrate and the process of how to integrate those components. Uh, that begins with making sure you're building the right computer for your needs. You know, we find that, like I mentioned earlier, we talk to our customers, um, and sometimes we have to talk them down from a build because they've overspecced their systems. You know, don't build a triple SLI system for a 22-inch monitor. It's just a waste of money. Hmm. Uh, next, you've got to make sure you're uh, buying quality parts that are compatible with one another. And, and we spend a lot of time doing prior and proper R&D on our configurations and making sure that we've tested the components in our builds for proper airflow, heat dissipation, latest BIOSes, drivers, making sure that we've used the right spec power supply for the components uh, in any particular build. And you know, there's nothing more frustrating than uh, the random un- you know, instability of a system that doesn't have enough power um, you know, stemming from a, a faulty uh, power supply. And you know, that's part of the reason why we just don't throw any part into our configurator. I mean, there are some websites out there that do this. They put anything and everything in there. They've got 24 different motherboards, um, you know, six different manufacturers of memory. Um, and, and the thing is, there's no way you can verify that each combination is going to be compatible and is going to be, you know, 100% reliable for the life of the system. So, in essence, those companies are doing R&D on their customers' dime. And in that case, you better do your research before you make make your order because, uh, you know, I mean, people expect us to be proficient in the builds that we offer on our website. And they trust that we are putting together compatible components and reliable overclocks, you know, in a way that will deliver performance and, you know, product longevity. 
Um, it, actually, in fact, many times we find enthusiasts um, will use our configurators to design their systems, and then they'll go order the parts off a of Newegg. And wow. I don't see this as a threat to our business at all. You know, I, I see it as a compliment from a group of peers. You know, the, the the enthusiast market is small and it's tight knit. I mean, you, you guys know that. Yeah. Um, the, the computer hardware industry, on the whole, is a multi-billion-dollar industry. You know, so those who build their own systems are just a small facet of it. A very important facet, though. I mean, all, all of us listen to the enthusiasts. AMD does it, Nvidia does it, Intel does it, Mangear does it. We all listen. You know, I mean, remember we got into this the same way everybody else did. You know, by by building our building a computer. You know, that's how we all started. But I mean, for those of us who don't choose that route, who aren't going to build our own systems. I mean, in Maine Gear, we, we offer, we think we offer a lot to those people. We offer quality, name brand components that, you know, comply with industry standards. Uh, we've got award-winning technical support. It's all in-house. You know, we've got, uh, we've got on-site support. We've got hardware-based remote support. We paid a lot of money for it, you know. Um, and we, we integrate, you know, these award-winning parts and service into systems to get, you know, editor's choice awards. This is this is our job. This is what we do all day long, every day. Some of us do it six or seven days a week. Um, you know, we don't come home from a job at Best Buy or Fry's and start building computers. I mean, this is how we support our families. You know, so we have to be on top of our game. You know, we've perfected systems integration, overclocking, quality assurance, um, technical support. We do it all here in the U.S. You know, and you can't say that about any other you know tier one multinational company. And you know, I mean, to, to to address your point about they're overpriced. You know, boutique systems are overpriced. That's the only complaint I read about people like us or our companies like us. And that's okay, right? And I'd like to address that. I mean, we've got nothing to hide here. You know, I mean, we provide a service. Industry standard for the boutique is anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five percent margin. And I can guarantee you that no company like ours is getting away with sixty percent margins. It's just it, it, there isn't anybody. I, I know all of our competitors. Nobody's doing that, you know. And and the cost of that service that we provide, uh, our cost is not just the cost of the components that go into a system. You know, we can't sell the systems at cost and stay in business. You know, they're, 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 we're a business and we have overhead like any other company, and we have to cover our overhead, employees, employee salary day-to-day, you know, uh, run a business, you know, and, and really when it comes down to it, we are selling a luxury product with a luxury experience at a commodity price. You know, let me give you a quick analogy. Uh, I know I'm rambling here, but um, I'm, I'm a big cyclist. I, I love, uh, that's, 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 my, that's my physical activity in my life. And uh, I could, you know, just like I do with my own computer, I could build a road bike. It's not hard. I can go get um, the same frame from the same factory that Specialized gets their frames from. And uh, so I can get a Pedal Force frame, and I can go buy a bunch of Shimano Dura-Ace components. I can buy some Mavic Serium SL wheels. I can buy some FSA cranks, and I can put all this thing together. I can put it all together and build my own road bike. Or I can go buy myself a Specialized Tarmac. You know, I'm going to spend, you know, extra... 40, 50%. I'm going to get a warranty. I'm going to get support from the local bike shop, you know, and I'm going to leave knowing that I've got this, you know, I'm going to get out on this bike. I'm going to ride this bike. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to worry about it falling apart. I'm not going to worry about my own, you know, capabilities in building a bike. I know it's going to work, and I know that the brand name is, is, is uh, you know, means quality, it's reliable, um, and I can enjoy cycling. Uh, I don't have to enjoy 
you know, building a bike. So, you know, I mean, that, that would be, I guess, how I would liken the, the computer business. That, that, that's something that is personal to me. So, I mean, regardless of which path you take, you're not going to get a bad deal if you do your research. You know, whether you decide to build or whether you decide to buy, you know, research research the, the parts, research the companies, you know, and, and just make an informed decision. And if you make an informed decision, you know, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to enjoy it either way. One thing that I wanted to bring up that, that you mentioned is uh, that you guys actually uh, test all the components that you allow in the configurator for your website, which is um, reminded me of when I used to work at Alienware, and at one point they didn't do that that well. And I remember there was like a, a motherboard that was an SLI motherboard, but if you used their configurator, you could hook it up with like two or three ATI Crossfire cards, which are completely completely incompatible. So, like, it took a couple of days for them to fix it, but eventually they did. But it's like, yeah, you guys should have caught that as soon as it happened. No. And you know what? And, and I, I feel... <laughs> when, when was that? Can you give me a time frame? Uh, 20, uh, 2005 or 2006. Okay. Oh, hey, do you remember Ignacio Castillo? Uh, Yeah. He worked. He worked for me, uh, another company, for a while. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know that that you know that can be a problem. So maybe you have a product manager who may have made some you know mistakes with the configurator and and uh, where they put parts and you know what the, what was configurable in, in a certain SKU. And you know I'm gonna be honest. With you, I made that mistake before, but we do test everything. And we take it a step further. So, I mean, why do we, you know, you might accidentally uh, uh, place something into a configurator. We actually have built-in um, conflict management. So I'll actually go in there and I'll write algorithms. So if somebody chooses, you know, dual GTX 480s, um, it's not going to let you use a 650-watt power supply. It's going to make you use a minimum of one, one kilowatt. And, and, I mean, those are the type of, of uh, those are the types of mistakes or configuration errors that you can't, um, when we didn't have that, yeah. the customer would, would place an order and that mistake would be there. And we'd have to call them. We would see it immediately. We'd say, look, you configured your system this way. It doesn't work. And, you know, They would say, well, what, what, why, why could I do that? Did you not test that? So, no, we, we did. We just unfortunately didn't have a way to tell you in the configurator. But you know, now we do and we try to keep up with those, those, uh, with those algorithms. So, um, you know, I mean, that, that's definitely... You know, I mean, like I said earlier, it's it's a key selling point. I mean, the fact that we've actually done all the testing. I mean, that's part of the reason why we only have one motherboard per SKU is because we test all those combinations. We know the temperatures, we know the airflows. I mean, when we do our overclocks, my techs they know the settings by heart. They don't they don't have to go in and figure it out because you know, you know, we we were selling twelve different motherboards on a certain SKU, and oh, well, I got to figure out how to overclock this motherboard. No, you're paying for the time of a guy who has done nothing but overclock that board for weeks or months that we've sold it. So they know it intimately. And you call up and you have a problem, they don't have to open up a manual. They don't have to read from a script. They know it by heart. You know? Yeah. Um, and these are the guys you get to talk to. If you got a problem with, with your system, you're calling up, you're not talking to somebody who's reading from a script. You're talking from the person who built your system. His name is in your manual. You can ask for him by name. You want to talk to Gus, Luciano, Glenn? Kevin, these guys they build your systems. You call them up and say, "Hey, what's going on with this?" And they'll be able to they'll be able to walk you through it. Yeah, and I and I think that's one of the most important things about uh, when someone does say something about the price 
or if there's a markup that if they get good service, especially from people that they know and that are able to help them with their need the first time, then, you know, you really start to see what you're paying for and it makes such a big difference. But I just want to thank you uh, very much, Chris, for coming on the show and talking with us. Well, hey, I appreciate the time. Um, you know, it was great talking with you guys. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. And now we're glad to be joined by Justin Melendez, who's one of the co-founders of Landslide PC. I got to look at this company a few months ago, and we were able to see that they had a cool idea, which was to originally offer systems that you could take easily to a LAN. They started with having form factor systems that you could easily transport from out of your house to wherever you need to go, and then they expanded to larger systems. So now they have a wide array of gaming and uh, high-end systems that you can purchase. They also had a cool thing that we wrote about on obsoletegamer.com, which talked about how you could go to their website and get assistance on any computer-related issue, whether it's from sales to customer service to technical support, even if you didn't buy a Landslide PC. And we're glad to have Justin Melendez, co-founder of Landslide PC. Justin, thanks for coming on. Not a problem. Okay, when I first saw your site and what you guys had to offer, I thought it was really cool because... One of the first things is you talked about was have uh, you know land in the name. So the first thing I thought about was my days in Red Eye when I used to lug my gigantic uh, case over and, and play two or three days straight of of video mm-hmm. games. Is that kind of where you start out first? Is for people who are interested in going to to land parties, or was it just a coincidence with the name? Oh no, totally. That's that's what we are all about, um, and uh, that's how we got started. Um, we got started because of a LAN party. Uh, there are three co-founders, and one of them was coming over. We, we all went to college together. Um, and uh, back in the day, one of them was coming over and bringing a computer, and it was this gigantic metal case thing. And they had to bring it up a couple flights of stairs. On their way up, they dropped it. Um, they hurt themselves, and uh, the computer was okay, but uh, it was just a big mess. And we were like, we, we all sat down and said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, th- is there any reason these cases are gigantic? And we took a look at it, and we said, you know what? No, there's there's really not. You don't. These things don't have to be massive and impossible to move. And that's basically how things got started. Kind of evolved from there. So, what was the overall goal? I mean, there's lots of different uh, computer companies out there, so. You know, it's not. What What would you say made you want to uh, make Landslide PC besides uh, having the smaller form factor so someone could take it out? What would be the overall goal of of Landslide? You know, I gotta say, a, a lot of it was was based on we wanted to make uh, computers that were built for LAN parties. Uh, we wanted to do that specifically because we know there's a lot of people out there that need a portable computer and they they want a high end machine, and there weren't really a lot of options out there uh, at the time. Um, and even the options that were out there weren't quite sufficient. No one focused on it. No one really made a machine. No one modded cases so they can fit better video cards in. Um, you know, no one, you know, did all the, the stuff inside with the cooling properly. They kind of, you know, they, they, put, they would put them together, but a lot of times they'd be lower end than what you can get elsewhere. Um, so that was, that was really, I got to say, that was the primary motivation. Uh, the secondary motivation, though, is we were all coming from the same sort of place where um, a lot of the gaming companies out there, they were very expensive, um, and, uh, and we, weren't, we just weren't thrilled with what was out there. We just kind of got together and said, you know what, we do this all the time. We can do a really, really good job of this. And that, that was basically the motivation. 
Now, as far as, as the pack, I saw, I mean, when I got my hands on your land pack, it was just awesome. A huge, gigantic backpack that you can store <laughs> everything in it. And I know we had a, a write-up on uh, Obsolete Gamer about that, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. So what you're, what you're talking about is the PC pack. Um, it can hold a about a 22-inch widescreen monitor. Um, and the basic idea is it's it's made to make land, going to land parties easier. Um, it holds every all of your accessories. Um, it holds your monitor, keyboard. It's got a special slot for an extra long gaming keyboard because they don't usually fit in backpacks. Uh, something we found out while we were doing prototyping. Um, it's got room for mouse, headphones, cables, games. It's just it's this massive backpack that's designed to hold everything that comes with your computer. Um, and the basic idea is you don't you don't want to drop your monitor you don't want to lose all this you spend all this money on all this gaming equipment um and uh and, and if you've ever tried to move a computer that's really it's it's hard enough as it is without having to move all the accessories which you usually put in a crate or something and then you're carrying the monitor under one arm and the computer in another hand and you end up dropping something and it breaks and everyone's upset um, so what we did is we set out to, to make something, um, make a way so people can go transport their computer all in one entire trip. And that's the idea behind the PC pack. It's that you can put everything other than the case in this backpack. It's, it can protect up to a 22-inch widescreen monitor. Um, and it's got sufficient padding to do that. We, you can toss it around. We were at uh, PAX East, actually. We, we gave a panel there. And we actually uh, took a monitor in there and we tossed it back and forth for a while to give a demonstration. Uh, so we're that confident that it that can protect the things. Uh, but th that's the basic idea. It's it's all to make it easy in one trip. That's awesome. Now, obviously today there's a lot more people playing games online uh, than back in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, have you seen that now since less people are going to lands, at least maybe neighborhood lands that they would go once or twice a week or once or twice a month? that since they're staying at home playing online games or just with broadband, have you seen a drop-off in more of the smaller form factor systems? Oh, no. Um, people are really excited about this sort of thing. Uh, and there's, there's specific groups of people also that this really appeals to well. Uh, the military is one of them. Uh, people that travel around a lot, uh, people that don't have a lot of space. Um, it's it's this kind of this ideal sort of synergy where for, for the people who needs who want a real gaming computer but move around all the time, we found that, that we're I mean we're like the perfect machine for these people. So we get a lot of a lot of interest from the military. Uh, in fact, we've started giving military discounts. Um, and, uh, and also there's a lot of people that go to conventions when convention season comes up, a lot of people like to bring their computers and have LAN parties both in the hotels and official LAN parties. So, I mean, I think the scene has kind of changed from sort of this casual thing to this kind of massive, massive thing where people will get together for these gigantic events a couple times a year. Um, so that's basically, I think what we've seen. Now, today's overall topic is talking about the debate that a lot of people have between building a PC and buying one. Now, one of the cool things that we talked about uh, regarding your company on Obsolete Gamer was the fact that you created a system where people could actually talk to someone who is technically inclined about buying a system or if they already have a system, even if it's not purchased from you getting help, which I thought was a great idea. Can you tell us a little bit about that system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, the other thing they can do is if they want to talk to us about building a system, we're open for that too. Um, 
the basic idea behind it is we, we gave a panel at Connecticon, um, and it was on how to build a gaming computer. And the idea was just, you know, like, hey, let's, let's just go out there and answer people's questions um, and, uh, and just sort of see how it goes. We didn't have any sort of, like, marketing idea behind it. We just kind of wanted to get out there, you know, with people and sort of, you know, teach people about gaming computers. And we thought the best way to do it is to show them how to build one. Um, and we just got such a positive response after that. So many people had questions that we decided, well, you know, this is probably crazy, but let's just open customer service to everyone um, and, and just see, see what happens. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, uh, I know it sounds a little bit nuts, but it's but the idea is you can ask us anything you want about computers. You can ask us a question about building a computer, buying a computer, fixing a computer. It doesn't have to be from us. Um, you can be thinking about building it or buying it from other places. Um, and the idea is I think it's just going to be generally good for the gaming computer community to have a centralized place where they can go for these things. And obviously it's good for us because it spreads our name around. It shows that we like to do good things for people. Um, and we've gotten a pretty decent response from it so far. Are you worried about people perhaps um, just using it? Uh, you know, maybe it gets bigger and more people start coming and they just say, you know what, anytime I have any question, I'm just going to come here and you start getting inundated by people who maybe they can't get help from maybe their other computer company or maybe they build a system. I mean, is there a point where you'll say, man, maybe this is a little bit too much. We might have to scale back. I, I think it's fantastic if people are coming to us because they can't find help from their own gaming computer company. I mean, that's that's only good for us. Um, I I think that it's something that we've kind of we talked about a lot before we we launched this, and we said, you know, what if this gets out of control? Um, and uh, and and we decided to just kind of go for it and see what happens. And uh, and you know, it's obviously something. If if one day we woke up and there were a thousand emails and you know it was tying up our customer support line we obviously give you know we give the preference to the customers first but you know this this is the sort of thing that it hasn't happened yet you know we're we're running along swimmingly and that as it starts to happen i think we'll start to kind of solve that problem as it comes but right now we're perfectly happy if, if someone's having trouble and they just need some help we'd love for them to come to us and we'd love to grow it as big as possible and see how that plays out yeah like to me um it makes it seem not so much that you're like a company that's just trying to get business from people, but mm -hmm. it makes it kind of seem like you're a guild of people that are trying to help out, like <laughs> the hobbyists, basically. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we kind of are. I mean, we're all gamers, and you know, like we we kind of have a we have a, a really great uh, culture here. I don't want to say corporate culture because you know I think that just doesn't describe us very well. But you know, we we are in this community. We're part of this community, and we like to give back to it. Um, and I think that that one of our philosophies about business is that we'd like people to see that side of us. We don't want them to just see this this corporation, you know, that that is just like all about selling you things you don't need. Um, we want them to know that we're what we're really about is selling you things that will make you happy, selling you things that are going to improve your gaming experience, and that we understand that, and that we're kind of just there for people. So we thought this was a really good way to kind of show that side of us. So as an example, a lot of times, uh, especially when you're talking about high-end systems or anything gaming-related, a lot of people are not sure exactly what to select. Uh, what would you say to someone if someone said, I play games, maybe they can mention a few games to you, but maybe they're not even sure what games they'd like to play in the future. How would you say you gauge how to tell somebody what's not too much computer, what's not too much, I mean, too little computer, especially when it comes uh, to gaming? 
well, okay, there's a couple of guidelines, all right? Um, and we, we gave a whole, I mean, th this was all our ConnectaCon talk. So basically, uh, you, to throw out some numbers, you pretty much need one video card. 90% of the people out there, especially if you're a casual gamer, you only need one video card. And you probably don't need the most expensive video card on the market. You can probably get away with something a little bit lower. Um, if you're, you know, if you're a real gamer and you're going to play games knocking around, you recommend you go get like a 9800. Um, but not to get into too much stuff, um, you, you only need so much RAM. You really, you can get by with like six gigabytes of RAM. Um, it really depends on what they're doing. I mean, like, you know, you got to bring a game and say, say, are you gaming right now? Are you having problems with the game you're having right now? And if so, what are the problems? Um, those, that's a much easier question to address because if someone comes up and says, uh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting tons of graphical lag when I'm in a raid, it's easier to say, oh, you probably need a new video card. Um, or, you know, if they've got a very low amount of RAM, maybe you need more RAM here. Um, but it's it's really it's a really case by case basis. There's so there's such a variety of people out there. It really depends on what they do. Yeah, we don't I, recommend people getting insane systems. To be perfectly honest, we provide them, but it's not something we push. Right, and definitely, I think that that can be a case where that can happen. Where someone calls in and they say, uh, maybe they'll just say something like, "I want to play all the best games," but they don't really understand what that means. I know I've even dealt with that when someone asked me mm -hmm. about building a system, and it's like. Well, yes, you can spend $5,000, but honestly, uh, you'd probably be able to play most games well if you only spend maybe uh, $1,000 or a little bit over that max. But when people do have the build versus buy debate, one of the things that they do mention a lot is the fact that uh, the service is what really counts. And obviously, you having a system where people can come on anywhere, whether they're a customer or not, and ask questions is great. But as far as um, actual uh, customers of Landslide, what would you say would be your customer service warranty uh, period? What would you say would make somebody want to buy from you because of the service that you provide? Well, I, th I think there's there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, first off, we're very responsive. Um, our, primarily, we respond via email. Um, and we have forms on our website, but we are extremely responsive in that vein. We get back to people within about usually hours, um, and uh, and we tend to be able to answer the questions really well. I've, we've we've never had situations where I think people have walked away unhappy with contacting us. Um, and in addition to that, I think price is actually a pretty decent factor, and the quality of the machine that you get. I mean, I've seen um, places that kind of skimp on the parts a little bit. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but I've—I mean, I've seen things that have proprietary motherboards that are that I've actually opened up, and there's been glue inside. Um, so I think there's to some to some degree a um, a certain amount of quality that you know you're going to get from a, a, a group of gamers that's going to burn your system in, that's going to test it for over 24 hours. Um, from from people who you you know everyone there knows what they're doing with the system and you're going to get a quality machine so I think a lot of that's the reputation of you go to us you get you come out with something that works um, and when it doesn't work we're we're always there to answer the questions and I think that's really important and what's really funny especially um, a lot of people nowadays are wanting to focus more on uh, the service that they can provide right here. I remember not a few years ago hearing on a radio station uh, a market analyst basically said that if a CEO does not plan to outsource, they're basically hampering their own company 
because that's the wave. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can believe that by keeping everything within country, you're doing a great thing, but in the end, the bottom line or your competition is going to kill you. What would you say your philosophy is in making sure that, you know, no matter how large you guys get, no matter how many people want to buy your systems, you want to keep everything local and keep that strong support of people that actually know what they're talking about when you need help with a technical issue? Well, oh, you're talking about outsourcing customer service, not outsourcing the building. Okay. Those are those <laughs> are two different, just to clarify, yeah. correct? Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think you, you absolutely need people who know what they're talking about and what they're doing. I mean, I just don't think it's an option. I think, you know, if you, if you happen, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is the sort of thing that's, that's down the line for us. Right now, we've got a great team of people. We've got more than enough people to answer questions, uh, more than enough people to build systems. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if down the line we need more people, I'd, I imagine we want to create maybe a localized call center, maybe a localized customer service. But I'm going to be really picky about the people that are on the team. Um, I'm always going to be very picky about people who are hiring other people. Um, I think we we want a certain type of person involved in this company. Um, we want the sort of people who kind of live uh, and and sleep and eat gaming and computers and hardware and just sort of love this stuff. And that's what they do. And I don't, I can't, I just can't imagine us ever just saying, well, this is cheaper, so let's go ahead and do this. Besides, I mean, that's really not where, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think that's great personally. I mean, especially when you have a group of people who love what they do, they're into games. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, what is it like to have a company where it is a bunch of gamers, it's people who are technical, and you're all, you know, working to build the brand, the name, uh, do you guys just break out into like a, a you know, a game of Counter-Strike or is it, you know, in between meetings you're talking about games? You know, what kind of atmosphere uh, is Oh, totally. Um, we actually have a weekly StarCraft night on Wednesday nights. Um, and it's not all company people, but, you know, it's it's lots of people everyone knows. And we all get together and we, we've been doing this for, you know, for a while now, actually. Um and everyone's just always talking about games. A lot of times, you you know, you'll end up just talking about the latest thing that came out and strategies, and you know, it's it's just kind of it's water cooler talk, effectively. But it's all gaming and mostly gaming. You know, it doesn't doesn't often touch on the hardware. It's usually the games, to be perfectly honest. Uh, that kind of culture reminds me of back when we were uh, back when I first met Jose when we were at Alienware before the Dell buyout, mm-hmm. where it was basically you know we would. It was a bunch of nerds in, in, in our room, you know, and we would be working yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah. And then we would go home and we would hang out with these people online playing whatever whatever mm-hmm. game was hot that, that month. But Yeah, totally. I mean, there were even people that would come that we would, you know, throw LAN parties. And they weren't even employees, but they would come hang out during, like, their breaks and stuff in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. That weren't even yep. employees, but everybody knew them because they were our gamer friends. So it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. I guess. It's it's good to have that family atmosphere, especially when you're trying to build up uh, up something new. Uh, w- what games are are most of the people on the team playing now? Is it mainly StarCraft Fever? Is it Civ Five? What, oh, what are you God. guys playing now? StarCraft Two is StarCraft Two is obsessed. Ever it's this is this is the age of StarCraft Two right now. <laughs> I think people kind of tend to get on trends for a while though, um, and sometimes even kind of. Obs- Can you hear me still? By the way, I'm sorry. 
Yes, uh, we can hear you. Keith. Yes, oh, we can. Sorry, I thought I thought I might have lost the connection no, for a second. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, right right now, I gotta say, everyone is really heavy into the StarCraft II thing. A lot of us are in, like, platinum teams, and there's, like, combinations of different people, and it's kind of crazy. I'm sure that will wane when something else comes out. Um, I think everyone's pretty excited about uh, Torchlight 2 coming out with multiplayer at some point soon um, down the line. I think it's probably early next year. Um, but we've, and we've also kind of taken weird sort of, like, mini routes for a while i um there was a period where everyone was playing global agenda um we, there was a period where everyone was playing demigod um and people got really into that so i mean it's it's, it's fads kind of come and go um i imagine starcraft is one of those things that's going to be a little more consistent but when something comes out that's going to be you know that's going to draw us away from that i think that's that's just going to happen maybe the Apple 3 yeah, right. If they, yeah, if uh, well, it that's, that's, the, that's the elephant in the room. <laughs> well, that's pretty I hate cool. to talk about Blizzard games, but Blizzard is just a wonderful gaming company. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't really know many people that are, are not looking forward to at least one of their three top titles in, in the near future. But I just wanted to thank you for mm -hmm. coming on and having a nice discussion with us. It was great talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thanks, man. That was Justin Melendez, one of the co-founders of Landslide PC. Now, Dell, everybody knows that name. They're one of the largest computer companies in the world. And they also acquired recently, about three years ago, Alienware Computers, which is one of the largest boutique gaming systems in the world. And we're very proud to be joined by John Blaine, who is in consumer public relations for Dell and Alienware. John, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so obviously Dell is one of the largest computer companies out there. And therefore, there are going to be a lot of people, you know, buying systems, whether it's for gaming, for personal use, or, you know, for many uh, business, for example. So with a lot of people having the question of whether to build or buy a system, what would you tell someone, you know, if they're just looking to spend maybe $1,000 and they say, oh, I can go and put these parts together, would you try and convince them that it's better to have the backing of a warranty or something like that? What would be something that you that you would say would be a good reason to build instead of to to buy? Well, whenever you're putting the system together, and I've put many systems together myself, you end up coming into these unforeseen problems. Um, it's if you enjoy building systems, then by all means, it's it's a better idea to build it. But you know, I as I'm getting older, as uh, uh, as I'm getting less and less time in each uh, in all of my days, I have to be cognizant of the fact that if I spend 20 hours building a computer, that's a lot of money that uh, I'm spending without actually spending any money. So um, sometimes it's a money saver if you enjoy doing it. Sure, go right ahead. But um, for me, um, I haven't built a computer in four years because I simply don't have the time. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, there is the warranty to consider. Um, I've had the the experience many times when I was building before, where I would pick up a part or order a part from uh, Newegg online or something. I'd get the part, and you know, if you're ordering, to, say, eight to ten parts for your computer, you end up getting one part that's bad. That ends up delaying the entire process, and it can be frustrating. So to avoid all that, uh, it's uh, my recommendation to um, get everything from one place. Uh, get a, a, pre, a computer pre-put together with one warranty. That way there's a, a one person to call if there's a problem. 
As far as when they're configuring a system, um, what do you say is the best way to tell a person to be able to gauge what they're looking for? Obviously, Dell has the Alienware line. So if someone comes and they say, oh, I'm a gamer, then, you know, obviously one of the things you're probably going to mention is one of the Alienware systems. But um, even in building yourself, how would you say that you make the decision, this is what I feel that I need in order to to build the right kind of system for either gaming or something that is high CPU or graphic intensive? Uh, generally speaking, the games I play uh, are all graphic intensive. So uh, if I'm looking for something for myself, the first thing I look at is uh, graphics capability. Um, so um, yeah, CPU is, is secondary, memory is right about the same. Um, storage space really isn't an issue anymore because you have external drives that are really cheap. You can just plug one into the side if you need extra storage. Uh, hard drives are getting cheaper every day. So um, usually graphics card and graphics performance is the first thing that I'm going to look at. And that's going to be the top priority. What game are you currently playing now? Like what's one of the t higher end games that you're playing? Well, um, let's see. Mafia 2 I'm going to be playing. I want to play... Um, Star Wars The Old Republic, which isn't really that graphics intensive, but uh, uh, one of the games I'm playing, I'm playing it right now in the background actually, is EVE Online. And uh, it's a very beautiful game, and if you want to get it in really high resolution, it can be uh, kind of a, a graphics muncher. Uh, another common one that a lot of people are playing now is StarCraft II. That one is really hard on, on graphics cards. I'm not playing that one myself, but a lot of my friends are, and uh, that thing chews uh, graphics cards up and spits them out. Yeah, I remember when I used to play EVE Online, it melted uh, the GPU that I had. A motherboard, too. I believe it. And it's uh, the game itself, um, since they do free updates, they are doing free graphics updates to it all the time. It's just getting more and more intense uh, as the years go by. Yeah, definitely. I, there's, I mean, whenever you start going into, especially the higher-end FPS games, I remember there was a point where it's like, all right, if you don't upgrade your system, then you can just forget about even being able to, to play well. And then, of course, when you start playing online, then latency and your network came into play. I, one of the things I want to ask you about is, what, what would you say you've seen one of the major differences in Alienware and, and Dell coming together than before when you had uh, just the strictly the XPS line? You know, even as far as, as your job going out uh, community relations and stuff, what would you say the difference have been between then and now? Uh, biggest difference is the amount of uh, places you can find Alienware now. Um, we're opening up retail outlets all over the world at this point. We're uh, uh, from, I, I believe, before the Dell Alienware uh, merger, they... Um, Alienware was servicing six or seven countries, and now we're over 70. Um, the uh, sheer volume of sales that uh, that Alienware is uh, is actually uh, selling now is it's unheard of from what it was before. So they're taking advantage of of our supply and our sales channels to to really take off with the brand. Um, I guess. Uh, you, you actually merged the two engineering teams too, so they're coming up with some fresh new ideas. Like uh, uh, recently, over the past few months, they released the M11X. Uh, that one, uh, that's not something that either Dell or Alienware probably would have undertaken had they not come together. 
Of course, when you have a, a merger of you know one of the top uh, gaming computer companies and then one of the top consumer companies, I, you could just assume that you're gonna it's gonna be a good match. But as far as maybe the brand competition, um, you know, being dealing with consumers or and or, and fans who of of maybe the XPS line or fans of Alienware, have you seen that there's been kind of like a I don't know, like a civil war, a little rift between people who are like, oh, you know, we like Dell's gaming line and now Alienware is here and then Alienware people saying, oh, I like Alienware. Do you get that two brand competition or is it like one big happy family? Uh, well, when they first came together, there was a lot more of it than there is now, but still you, you've got uh, brand loyalists on both sides of the fence that um, blame the other side for ruining their favorite brand. But um you see less and less of that as time goes on. Uh, people are starting to, uh, all the Dell loyalists that thought Alienware was a boutique brand and were a little concerned about uh, uh, what that would bring to Dell Gaming, um, those guys are becoming more comfortable with the Alienware brand. And Alienware lo loyalists who thought that Dell was just going to come in and ruin everything, uh, they're starting to see, well, it's been three years now, and it's been over three years now, and our brand hasn't been ruined. They're actually putting out um, more machines, uh, they, they're putting out better machines, and everything seems to be going okay. But yeah, you're right, there, is, there are some uh, real hardcore brand loyalists, fanboys, if you will, that um, really think that one side or the other is ruining their favorite brand. But uh, I, I think that'll become less and less as time goes on. So what would be the, the next big thing that is coming for, for Alienware, per se, as, as far as systems? That's what everyone always wants to know, what's going to be the 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 next system or the next release or next upgrade do you have any scoops you can give us oh at this time uh, just watch uh, you'd have to watch down the road i mean we're always working on something new and uh, you were in the business you know that uh, they'll give you timetables on something and then the next you know next thing you know they'll find a problem with it and then push it back so i don't want to get anyone's hopes up about something and then have it just not happen so uh, i can't really uh there isn't any real scoop I can give you about that. Oh, well, and you know, you, you have to try. You have to give it a shot. You know, you never know. But you're right, definitely. If you if you go and you say something, it doesn't matter what it is, software, hardware, and it even takes a week longer than people are crying saying, you promised, you promised. So I definitely understand that. Um, how has it been yeah. going, like, to some of the events, like the, you know, like E3 and stuff like that? What you know, what is it like going on the road and, and, and you know, in, interacting with people in, in the community for, for computers? Well, a lot of people, a lot of my friends think I have um, the best job in the world because they're gamers and they see me going out to gaming events, talking to gamers. And I, I tell you, uh, you, you were on the road. I, I saw you at E3. You know that uh, when, you're, when you're on the road and you're at a convention, um, it gets really tiring really fast. And I haven't been to a single... Um, gaming event where a I didn't have a blast and b I didn't work my butt off. So by the usually by the time the event is over, I'm I'm ready to come home. Does does it ever get old being being on the road? Because it's like gaming. It's like you can have a lot of games and you're playing all the time, and then someone can say to yourself, "Wow, life must be great." But then you're like, "Eh, I get tired. I want to go out and do something else." So do you find yourself like I mean, you obviously play games. You say you play even stuff, but do you find yourself wanting to be away from maybe the gamer culture? Sometimes doing something completely non-computer gaming related. 
Oh, hell no. Um, gaming, <laughs> gaming and uh, gamer culture is... Uh, the gamers are some of the most wild and crazy and penetrant people I've ever met. So you get a whole bunch of them together in one space and, you know, you can't help but have fun. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, when we were out there, we saw a lot of different people, especially at E3. And, and, and you can't even say that, you know, the people that go there is a specific type. You know, you see all types of people who, who come from all different walks of life, but they have one thing... Uh, as far as gaming now i know you said that you're looking forward to old republic um are there any other games or mmos or something that's coming out in the future software wise that you're looking forward to getting diablo 3 if it'll ever come out ah, definitely <laughs> well i think they're so busy with starcraft 2 you may not see diablo 3 for some years i i certainly hope not i think um they would be doing the gaming world a disservice if they put it off any longer. I, I remember, actually, I don't remember because I lost about three years of my life uh, of my life to Diablo two. So um, I'm looking forward to them actually robbing me of uh, another couple of years with the, the next game. I think they're actually losing a lot of money uh, postponing Diablo three. I mean, just look at Torchlight. It, to me, it's it's inferior to Diablo two, but people bought it like by the tons because they're waiting. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. But, you know, if, if I can't uh, uh, pull out another $50 to give to the, the Blizzard gods, then, you know, I'm, I'm in a bad uh, situation. <laughs> Definitely, that's true. Well, I just want to thank you very much for coming on Absolutely Gamer Show. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thanks, Jose. Hope to see you soon. Sure, will do. Well, the debate rages on. There's always going to be people that prefer to get their hands in there and build their own PC. And then there's going to be people that want to get in there and actually just buy it and get on with it. Same applies to anything regarding even gaming. There's always a question of, do you want to spend money to advance in a game or spend time? And I guess sometimes whoever has more of whichever one is the choice you go with. Either way, I want to thank all the guests for coming on and talking with us. I thought it was a great conversation. And speaking of which, if any of you out there have some people or topics that you'd like to see on this show, just send me a DM on Twitter. My handle is J-A-L-A-R-A-Q-U-E. Until next time, thanks for listening.